All right. Well, good morning, Doxa Church. Guys, go ahead and grab your Bible. Find your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here. It's, it's great to have you part of, of the Doxa family today. But for those of you who have been kind of coming along this journey, studying through the book of, of 1 Corinthians, wondering over the last eight months if we are ever going to reach the end, I have good news for you today. We are in the final chapter, all right? So 24 more verses over the next 12 weeks. No, just joking. Three weeks, okay? So we got three more weeks. We're going to wrap up this, this series. But for the last four weeks, if you've been around, we've dealt with kind of like the paramount doctrinal issue of the resurrection. And as we've been studying the resurrection and what will happen to Christians when God calls us heavenward, the point of chapter 15, I want you to hear this, the point of chapter 15 was not to leave us in some strange like theological twilight zone. All right, see the resurrection doesn't just relate to our future lives with God, but it really impacts our present lives with both God and people. All right, and this is a teaching which comes with frequency throughout the entire New Testament. But as we move forward from chapter 15 and the resurrection to getting into chapter 16, here's what Paul does. All right, Paul kind of makes like a radical shift. Right, he makes a shift from talking about like the doctrinal to the intensely practical. And he ends this letter of 1 Corinthians with several just practical exhortations that were for the Corinthians, but they're also for us. And he said, here's the doctrinal stuff, all right? In light of the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, now here is how you live. And this is how he's gonna wrap up this letter. So today and really the next several weeks are just gonna be intensely practical for all of us. But the first four verses are what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna camp in here, out here, and we're gonna be talking about the ever popular issue of money and giving. All right, and I know that as you drove here this morning, you're like, man, I really hope that they talk about my money, all right? And so you're welcome, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about your money and how you love to give it away, okay? So this is gonna be awesome, right? You don't look too sure about that, Doxa, but all right, here's the thing, though. We gotta understand this. Depending on your view of God and the view of the money in your pocket and your bank account, this morning is either gonna be like a really great refresher for you or it's gonna be a hard 30 to 40 minutes, and this is just the reality of every single one of us in here. And, and I know, guys, that when we, when we talk about money, it can just elicit different things. Some of you have been around the church where there's just been a, a misuse of it, whatever. But here's what we're going to do. We're just going to come to the Bible. And this is the way we teach the Bible and why we do it. All right? If you're newer to Doxa, this is, our propensity is just to kind of go through books, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because really, this is how the Bible is meant to be read. But it's also, we do this so we're not tempted to skip the hard parts that no one really wants to hear about, right? If you knew that the schedule was we're going to have the topic of money, no one would come today. It would be just me and the band and my kids in the back just running around, right? But we're going to get into this. And I love that this is like the way that we come to talk about this, right? This is not like a special sermon or a new initiative to have like a big giving campaign, but this is just where we find ourselves in the book, the letter of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to hear this, we're going to receive this, because ultimately our goal here at Docs is to become more and more like Jesus, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, let's just go ahead and read it, and then we'll jump in and figure out what does this have to do with our lives here in Madison. We're actually going to start in verse 58 of chapter 15, Okay. Paul says, therefore, right, in light of all that he shared about the resurrection, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So here's what we got today, okay? Paul is talking to the Christians in Corinth about their money and how giving is a really big part of life with God. All right, and in these opening verses, if you just look back, Paul gives instruction for just a collection of money to be made to address circumstances of poverty that were going on. And as we get into this, we're going to discover really just a, a number of patterns and principles for giving money to the Lord's work of ministry and mercy. And if you don't know this, all right, if you're kind of newer to the church, newer to Bible, newer to Christianity, you just need to understand that giving is actually a massive part of the Christian life. And this giving goes way beyond money, but this is the issue that we come to today in 1 Corinthians. And, and the way that we're going to approach understanding, applying these verses to our lives and, and understanding giving and money is really just to ask a number of straightforward questions, okay? But now, before I get into this, we need to start with some big picture kind of Bible teaching around the topic of, of money and giving, because any conversation about giving needs to start with God and his giving to us, amen? This is the truth. And so for us to really understand money and giving, we first need to understand a biblical word that relates to every single one of us. And this is the word stewardship. All right, so in your Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want you to write stewardship right next to the first four verses. But this is a big word. And a steward is, is simply this. It's someone who manages the assets of someone else. All right, so stewardship is, is this, is that it all belongs to God. Everything. All right, Psalm 24 puts it like this. Listen to this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on its waters. And so everything, Doxa, belongs to God. And everything that we have, as Jesus' little brother James says in James chapter 1, verse 17, has been given to us by God because he is a good father and a great giver. And so while everything belongs to God, out of his love and his grace and his mercy, he's put some in our hands, some time, some talent, some treasures into our hand to be a good steward of. So you and I, every single person in this world is a steward. It's not whether or not you're a steward or not, but because we all are stewards. Here's the question that you have to ask. Am I a good steward or a bad steward? And this is what I think God is going to be asking us, and this is what I want to encourage you to ask each other and talk to each other about at Connection Groups with this. But stewardship means that when money or resources or opportunities come to us, all right, we don't just blow it and do whatever we want with it. But we ask God, where do you want me to distribute and dispense these resources that you have given me because it all belongs to you? And so every decision that we make as Christians need to be bathed in prayer and led by theological commitments and convictions. All right, this is stewardship, and this is what we're called to do as Christians. And the Bible uses another couple words to talk about and describe what a steward actually does. It's the words first fruits, okay? And this might be a reminder, if you've been in the church for a long time, you might have heard this, or this might be new to some of you, but first fruits is this, is a steward really just acknowledges that since it all belongs to God, the first and the best go back to God. Now, in our culture, right, this is interesting because we really can't even do first fruits because the government has beat God to the punch, right? I mean, my first job, I, I realized this. 
I was working for a construction company. You know, I was probably ninth grade. It was like the most terrible thing to send a young kid into a construction company because I just learned all types of words and all types of things, right? But I remember like calculating my wage and the number of hours that I, I met or I worked and um, I remember just like thinking about my first pay period and I had the number in my head. I'm like, this is gonna be amazing. And you know, I was maybe making like 5.50 an hour, okay? So nothing like impressive or anything like that. But, but I worked a certain number of hours, a certain number of days and I was excited to get my first paycheck. And I remember I got my first check and it was less than I was thinking, right? And there were like these little words on the paycheck that I had not anticipated, right? I remember seeing the word FICA, right? And this was a whole new F word for me. I had no idea what this was. <laughs> you know, and I, and I was scared to death of the foreman, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go into this guy. He was a big burly dude with a huge beard. And I was like, excuse me, sir. He's like, what? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, who is FICA? This guy just ripped me off, right? I've been FICA'd, okay? So, he just looked at me, he's like, dude, that's the government. They take stuff, go. And I was like, well, man, they didn't ask me. You know, that doesn't, seem, that doesn't seem fair, right? But they are in a position of first fruits. All right, first fruits is, is giving your best and first to God. But here's how it tends to look. All right, let's say, for example, like you entrust somebody to be a steward. Let's just say it's your, your bank, right? You go to the bank, you have $500 cash in your hand. You go to the bank teller and say, I'd like to make a deposit into my account. You hand them the $500, you see the bank teller take $400 of that dollars, put it in their pocket, they write a receipt for $100 and say, here you go. You'd look at them and you'd be like, you just ripped me off. Like, you're a thief, right? Guys, you need to understand this. God gets ripped off all the time. God puts money into people's hands to do certain things with. And we just take it and do whatever we want with it. It's kind of like this, there were years ago, became friends with a guy, just hit a hard season of life, okay? And he was getting evicted from his apartment, hadn't paid rent for like six months, wasn't able to eat, like just in a bad spot. And I remember like Lisa and I talking, we like, we gotta help this guy. And so we wrote him at the time, like a sizable check for like a newly married couple. And I said, this will pay your rent that you owe in the next couple months and then use the extra to go buy food. And I'm like, we can get together next week and we'll figure out how to help you move forward. And I remember like we got back together and we're sitting there and I'm like, man, how's it, how's it going? Is you in your place now? You, you at least settled down, like what can we do? And he's like, no, I'm living in my car. Everything's gone. I'm like, what the heck, man? And he's like, hold on. And he pulls out a phone and he starts taking a phone call. The dude brought a, bought a brand new iPhone with the money I gave him. And I remember looking at him and be like, Guy, I didn't, I didn't give you that to be used in that way. I gave you that as a gift to help you out with your finances and, and get you in your apartment so you could see your kid and all of this stuff you stole from me, right? You were not using it as I told you to do. You ripped me off. Because this happens to God all the time. God puts resources in our hands and in our lives, in our accounts, and we rip them off by not stewarding it and not being generous with what, how he intends us to use it. I want you to look at this, Malachi chapter three. Here's how he says it. Will, will a man rob God? This is the question. Are we gonna rip off God? The answer, yes. God says, yet you are robbing me. 
All right, so we, we rip them off, and I would say a lot of people, many people, maybe even most people, we are ripping off God, myself in, included in this, okay? But look, but you say, how have we robbed you? God says, in your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven for you, pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Doc, so what God says is this, is I've given you resources to be generous with, to give, to distribute, to tithe, to help other people, and you blew it all. You didn't pray about it, you didn't plan for it. You're bad stewards. You're robbing from me. And many of us, even Christians, right? This, isn't, this, this is a Christian thing. We view ourselves as owners, not stewards. And we think, this is mine. It's, it's my money. And God is saying, no, it's actually mine. Psalm 24, everything belongs to me. But I'm good, and I'm gracious, and I give you some. And your job is to now steward it well. So this is the background. Now, what do we do with what Paul has to say here? We're going to look at these four verses and ask a couple questions. And the first one, to understand the money in our pockets and the stewardship of our lives, is this. Is what is this collection that Paul was talking about? Look at verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. So here's what's, what's going on. This collection was for the saints in Jerusalem. All right, the Christians in Jerusalem, as we see in verse 3, and specifically if we reference places like Romans chapter 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we see that this collection of money was to help the poor people living in Jerusalem. And we need to understand that Paul's missionary journeys that he took, a large part of his third missionary journey was to collect money for these poor, suffering people in Jerusalem. Now, we, we think maybe about Paul and say, wow, you know, I know people like that. They really care about the poor people. That's awesome for Paul. You need to understand this is not just a Paul thing. You read through the Bible and you see that this is a thing that God cares greatly about. And hear this, it should be something that every Christian cares about. But in this time in Jerusalem, there were a significant number of Jewish Christians who were just impoverished, and Paul just spent a lot of time and energy raising funds from other churches to help alleviate some of these, this suffering that these poor people were going through and to meet their needs. We see this in Acts chapter 20, if you want to read about that. But Jerusalem at this time was just very overpopulated. It suffered a severe famine, Acts 11, verse 28. We, we also know that persecution in this time was just ramping up. So these people were just in a bad spot. Nowhere to live, no food. It was just really, really bad. So this collection was just simply to alleviate the poverty in Jerusalem. Next question, why was Paul so concerned with this collection, all right? I mean, he gives it a time, a portion in the Bible to address this, but, but why? And we have to ask that question so many times, like why is this so significant for Paul? And Doxa, if you know your Bible, there is a very straightforward answer. Hear this. Paul was concerned with giving to the poor because this is what Christians do. Straight up. Listen to the words of 1 John chapter 3. That's what the Apostle John says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our own lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 
Little children, doxa, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And so John and Paul, for, them, for these guys, you know, loving and giving to those in need is just evidence of the love of God in us. And John can't even really fathom how someone can say that they love God in here with their hands up and then go out and not help a person in need out there. He can't, he can't understand it. The Rob Warren translation would be like, talk is cheap. This is what he's saying. The Christian life, we talk about this all the time, the Christian life, guys, is not just us coming here, singing songs, praying, hearing the Bible taught, going to Bible studies, but it's about knowing God, loving God, and living with that love towards people around us, especially those in need. And this is what we try and tell you guys and try and encourage all of us as a church to be every time that we gather, that it's all about Jesus and people. Because we cannot make the Christian life super complicated. It's just not. Love. That's what chapter 13 was all about. The love of God coming to us in the man Jesus Christ who died for our sins and through faith he saves us from sin, Satan, death, and hell. And as the love of God comes to us, it doesn't stop with us, but it actually goes through us to love other people to serve people, to help people, to care for people. This is the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 10, to love God and to love people. The easy thing to do is for us to just play church and come in here and to say, I love God, and you have your hands up. The hard part is to go out there and actually live that out among people. And it's my prayer that God, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, would continue to make our church, to cause our church to be more like Jesus, that we would be a people that would be marked by this love. Because Doxa, I don't know about you, but I have zero desire to be part of a church that just wants to have a great facility, a great music team, and is just consumed with itself. Zero desire. Is anybody else with me on that? Jesus lived in a radically different loving way. Paul's concerned about this collection because it's the nature of the Christian life. All right, here's the flow. I want you to write down these three words in the column of your Bible. Grace, little arrow. Gratitude, little arrow. Giving. This is the flow. That it all starts with God. Who is this God? He's a God of grace. Love. Grace is just God's unmerited favor, his love, his affection for us. And God gives. He gives us Jesus. He steps into our story. He saves us from our sin. And the love of God, the grace of God, comes to us when we were running away from him. And as we receive the saving grace of God through faith in Jesus, we're filled with gratitude. And we begin to love God because he first loved us. And he's so richly blessed us. Grace, gratitude, and that grace and that love and that gratitude then overflows in us and causes us to love and to live like Jesus, and we give. It's grace that leads to gratitude, that leads to giving, and this is why Christians, we should be the most generous people on the planet, because we have been given everything. 
through Jesus. Ephesians chapter one, read that. I think I tell you to read Ephesians chapter one every single time I'm up here. Read Ephesians chapter one. It's that significant. See, Doxa, it's our giving. It's through our giving that we express one of the key evidences of God's work in our lives. And conversely, it is our failure in giving that we call into the question of God's work in our lives. The truth is our giving is just an expression of our love and Paul essentially says, hey Corinthians, if you call yourself a Christian and you have resources and there's people among you that need help in the Jerusalem church, okay, pony up and show your Christianity by giving like Jesus. Now, in addition to this, there's another reason that Paul's so concerned with this collection. All right, Paul also wanted this collection all right, to really just express the spiritual oneness and unity of the church. And this is not just immediately obvious, but if you think about it, it really becomes very clear, okay? The Christians in Jerusalem were largely Jewish, almost exclusively, all right? But the Christians giving to the poor in Jerusalem in churches like the Corinthian church, they were Gentiles, non-Jews, And some of the most conservative Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem had real doubts as to the nature of what was going on with Paul's missionary journeys and all of these non-Jews becoming Christians. And you can read all about this in the opening chapters of Acts, but these Jewish Christians were struggling to believe that these Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus because they had a different background than they did. They thought, there's no way that they're doing this. They're not Jewish. They're not coming through the Jewish back door. And they had a real issue with this. And so Paul sees this as an opportunity to express the unity and the solidarity and the oneness that should exist among all people who claim the name of Jesus Christ. See, the issue is not whether you come to Jesus from a Jewish background or a Gentile background. The issue is not whether we have black skin or white skin or yellow skin. The issue is that we have been united in Jesus Christ and that bond in Jesus Christ is now to express itself in oneness in the most practical, tangible way that this could happen is there's no more practical way than a man or a woman reaching into their pocket and pulling out their resources and giving it to somebody who is in need. And Paul says, you are one. You're the family of God. Help each other, love each other, give to each other, care for one another. We're united in Jesus and we should be living like that. Third question. What was the nature of this collection? All right, because if we look at verse two, all right, look back, we see that there's some very clear like patterns and principles that Paul shares about the ways in which this giving was to happen. And I want you to know that as we get into this, okay, this is not just like an isolated thing from like the early church that that really doesn't mean anything to us, but really throughout the New Testament, we see these, these patterns and these principles repeated. So they have direct correlation to our lives here in Madison. But look at verse two. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so there will be no collection when I come. So three things about giving. First, who is to give? Everyone, right? You just need a Bible and understand the English language. It says each one of you, right? All Christians are called to give. Now, we understand this when we look at places like Romans chapter 12, that, that God gives certain like, people like special abilities to give. 
like a special gift of giving. In the same way that he had given some people the special gift of, of leadership or teaching or evangelism, whatever. But this does not mean that they have like the exclusive claim on it. All right, it just means that they're called to this issue specifically. And this is definitely true when it comes to money. Again, Romans chapter 12. But those individuals who have this special gift of giving, I want you to hear this, Doxa. They are not supposed to give in a way to compensate for the lack of giving of other Christians. That's not the point. It's not like God's going to be like, I made this one stingy, but here's Nick. He'll make up for that, right? That's not how it works. Paul says each one of you in the church and every single Christian, we are called to relationship and to financial giving. We just need to know this. This is the Bible. Because I want you to know, like, I didn't like, I don't love this message. But I teach this message because I'm under the authority of the Bible. And we just do this. We open it up and say, what does it say? Oh, man, they're not going to like that one. Okay, let's do this. But this is true. If you are a Christian, you should give. And if you doubt this, you're going to be really hard-pressed to find any part of the Bible to like validate your lack of desire to give. And I say that as a guy who's tried. I, I was not always like a generous man, and the truth is, is I'm still growing in this. But when I became a Christian, my life was flipped upside down. I was trying everything I could to tell everybody about Jesus, the saving message of the gospel. But when it came to the money in my wallet, that was a whole different thing for me. And God in his goodness, he knew exactly what I needed. He gave me one of the most loving, generous people that I've ever met, and Lisa has been discipling me in this for the last 13 years. It's like my money was like a death grip. I was just holding on to it. And God has used her and the Holy Spirit to just open up my hand. And I wish I could say I'm living like this, but I'm not gonna be a liar in front of you. I'm more like this, I'm like hanging on the rock wall being like, this is scary, this is scary, you know? But I hope this is true for all of us, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And Doxa, hear me on this. When it comes to giving, it's never about dollars, but it's all about devotion and discipleship. Christians are givers because Jesus is a giver and we're to be like him. And so if you're a Christian, you should give. Second thing about our giving. Paul says that giving was to be regular. Verse two again, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. All right, so their, their giving was regular, meaning that it wasn't once in a while or when they heard like a convicting sermon or read like Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies or something like that, but they were to give on a regular basis. Paul says every week when you gather, and he emphasizes this in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 where he talks about more about giving and how we are to have like a lifestyle of just giving, living with open hands. And so as we think about this, I want you to think about your spending over the last year. Now, I did this this week and I know it's uncomfortable. But think about your spending over the last year because we are all regularly giving money to something. Even if we don't have much, we are regularly giving money to something. And as you think about where your money has gone, I want you to know this. Your giving is your autobiography. Doxa, who you are and what you value is seen most clearly in how you spend your money. Our actions say a lot about our convictions. 
in our devotion. Meaning this is that I could be talking to you and you could say, man, I really love my family. I love my family above all. But if we look at your budget and there's a lot more money going to your hobbies than your family, we would know what you really love and prioritize. If we look at your budget and there's a lot of money going to a certain organization or a cause, we would say, okay, we know something about that person because they're really passionate about that. The same way, if there's money going to the Lord in ministry and mercy, we would say, we know something about that person's relationship with the Lord. And so I would just encourage you to look at your budget from this past year and just ask, what is this of an autobiography? What does this say about me? How do I regularly give? And what do I give to that reveals my heart? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the wallet spends, Doxa. Where are you giving regularly? And since the needs of people are regular, if we give in an irregular way, we will not be able to meet, meet the needs of suffering people as they arise. Because ministry is never gonna stop until we get to heaven. There's always going to be work to be done, people to care for, poverty to alleviate. And the truth is, is that ministry takes money and gospel ministry in Madison is funded and pushed forward by God's people regularly giving to God's mission through the church. And this leads to the last thing I'll point out about this is that the giving was to go to the church in order to go out from the church. Verse two again. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and store up that he may prosper, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. All right, and Paul, when he expresses this desire to make a collection or to not make a collection upon his arrival in Corinth, he most likely means that he hoped that all the members of the church would be giving to some type of fund in the church, and he was, as he showed up, it would just be ready to go out to send to Jerusalem. That, that giving is, is primarily for the church, but it's also primarily to and through the church. And Paul shows that this giving is really just an act of worship as he mentions like give on the first day of the week. This is Sundays. This is the worship gathering like this. He said this is actually a real big part of worship. And if we read the Bible, you know, you look into Acts chapter two with the very first Christians as they start to gather. At first they start to just bring their goods and start trading it with people and just giving it to people. And then the church got bigger and what they started to do, the new pattern throughout the New Testament is that the church gave and they brought stuff to the apostles, they laid it at their feet, and the apostles then, these leaders of the church, would then distribute as it was needed. This is the pattern. And when Paul says, each one of you, put aside and store up, the really interesting part about this, to hit this point home, is that the Greek word that he uses here for to store up is the word thesoriozo. So this is the word that we get thesaurus from, a treasury of words. And so what Paul is saying here is that in these times, you just need to know, in these ancient times, there was always a treasury in all of these temples that people would give to the church and they would store it in the temple, in this treasury in the temple somewhere. And this is what Paul had in mind. He said, I don't want to have to deal with collections like that person pledged $100 and I really don't have time to chase Joe around town because Corinth is big and I don't have time for that. Have everybody just give to the church, I'll show up and then we can send it on its way to help people. And so the pattern of giving is to go to the church, then go through the church as the leaders see needs and meet them. But this leads to a big question. How will the money be handled? How many of you guys have seen like scandals with money? Nobody? Watch the news, okay? In churches, how many? A lot. 
How is this money to be handled? Verse three and four. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it sees advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. And so Paul's instruction here about representatives and letters of recommendation show his concern for financial integrity and accountability. It's a big deal. He goes to great pains to stress this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, but he wants to be sure that this collection, the generosity of God's people given to the church, doesn't have an opportunity for mismanagement. And so here's why I think Paul says this. Doxa, those who give to the Lord's work, ministry through the church, have the right to expect that their giving would be used in a God-honoring, legitimate, and wise way. And it's incumbent upon every church to entrust its property and all of its funds in the hands of godly leaders that will steward it well. And the early church just set the pace for this. As the church began to grow, they selected members of the congregation to handle the financial integrity of the church. And the truth is, is that God's funds should only be put into godly leaders' hands to distribute and steward. And this is true for us at Doxa. This is what we do. This is why every year we affirm elders in our church. That every year our members vote on our elders. Who are the primary leaders that are going to deal with shepherding the church, but also to steward all the funds that Doxa has? And we have a budget, and we have people looking at this, praying through, being led by the Spirit of how do we do this? It's a really big deal to us. The last thing I'll say is this. This is the last question. And this is the big one. This is what you all came for, okay? How much? Right? How, okay, I get it. Give to the church. Got it regularly. There's a box back there. Great. How much? Honestly, guys, if you look, Paul does not say here. Look back to verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put some aside, some sum of money, and store it up. But he says this, as he may prosper. All right, so he says that our giving should be as we prosper, or said another way, every Christian is called to give, but we will all give different amounts because we all prosper in different ways. You understand that? And I know that this will lead to a question. Some of you will ask, well, do you believe in tithing? And guys, the truth is, is we really don't. All right, we believe that the Old Testament commands and the Old Testament pr- patterns were a lot larger than a 10% tithe. That if you include all the feasts and the festivals and the offerings and the tithes, it was more like 25% of a person's gross wages that they gave away. 25%. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you run that to the numbers today where the average Christian in America gives around 2 to 3% to anything. And then 25% of a Christians in America actually give nothing to anything. But 25%. And so the Old Testament tithe, when Jesus stepped in on the scene, was kind of just redefined. Now it's not so much about a tenth, but the standard is now generous giving. Right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, listen, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Doctor, the reality is that for some of us, giving 10% is a lot and you're going to feel it. 
and you do it because you want to be a faithful steward who loves God, but you feel it. Others in this room, you don't really feel 10%. You don't even feel that 10% leaving your wallet because God has blessed you so greatly. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul doesn't mention an amount but simply says to give cheerfully and sacrificially and regularly. These are the categories of giving in the New Testament. And so when you think about this, cheerfully, right, that word literally means like hilariously. And so when you click on the website or you drop it in there, it's just like, isn't this amazing? Like, this is crazy. I cannot believe I'm giving this much money. You know how many people this is going to help? Like, oh my gosh, this is going to push forward the gospel in a crazy way. Praise the Lord, right? And you just get excited. It's cheerful. It's awesome. How many of you guys do that? Go on. It's great. But you give with cheerfulness. But it also should be sacrificial, which means if you're a college student, it may not be very much, but that's a sacrifice for you. But if you make a considerable amount of money, it may be a much larger amount that you give in a much larger percentage than 10%. Because that's sacrificial for you. And then lastly, he says to give it regularly, which we already talked about, which just really means that you give more than once every presidential election, right? Regularly, cheerful, sacrificial, regular. And this is the criteria that we would encourage every single person part of Doxa Church to do. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, that's not super helpful, Rob. Like, I came here for the answer. Can you just give me a little bit more to know how I can start giving generously? Here's what I'll tell you. No. But here's how Lisa and I think about this, okay? We think that the Old Testament tithe of 10% is a helpful place to start. And for us, guys, it's not the ground, it's the ground that we stand on, but it's not the ceiling we aspire to. We just think like, you know what, this is a good place to start to be a steward. But this is not where we're gonna stop because that's not generous. We have, God has blessed us, and we need to give. Does that make sense? Not, it's the floor that we stand on, not the ceiling we aspire to. And for us, and I know this to be true of all of our elders and our staff, that the 10% mark seems helpful, it's like a helpful place to start learning stewardship. But we aspire to be generous and give above and beyond that as the Lord may prosper and lead. Okay, so I'm out of time. Let me, let me close with this, okay? If you've been around the church as you've grown up and throughout your life, this is the point in the sermon where I announce some special giving campaign, right? And I roll out like a big money box or a thermometer thing and be like, let's go, right? I, don't, I have nothing like that. Nothing like that. This is all I got. Let's keep striving to be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. A generous giver. This is what we do. And if you're new to Doxa, new to Christianity, maybe you're not even a Christian and you're here. I love that you're here. You picked an interesting money or an interesting Sunday to come to, the topic of money, right? A couple months ago, you would have come and it would have been sex, okay, or head coverings. And so this is maybe easier. I'm not sure. But let me just say, if you are newer to Christianity and you're not a Christian, I need you to know that if you don't know Jesus, you need to.
Hear me on this. You don't need to learn right now how to learn how to give as much as you need to learn how to receive. Remember, it's grace, gratitude, giving. Do not hone in on this giving thing and think, wow, that church really wants to be generous. Very philanthropic. I'm gonna come back. This church is all about Jesus, which leads to all of this stuff. And you need to know Jesus. That Jesus, and he came and he died and he lives for you. We are generous givers because of Jesus. And you could give every single dollar that you have, but if you have not come to Jesus, that counts for nothing in eternity. It's all Jesus and coming to him so he can take through faith your, great, or your, your sin, like the redefine your life, give you a new eternity. It's all Jesus. Christians are generous givers because Jesus is a giver. Christians don't give a lame sacrifice because Jesus wasn't a lame sacrifice. Christians learn to give properly because it's essential to our living in a worshipful, properly way. Doxa, I wanna be like my Jesus for the glory of God and the good of Madison and the world. Is anybody else with me? This is what we do. So let's just pray and just ask God to help this to be so with us. God, thank you for your word. Um, God, even as we think about the money in our pockets, in our bank accounts, it just draws our attention back to you as a good father and a generous giver. We acknowledge James 1.17, that everything good in our life is a gift from you, that you own everything and you're so good that you have blessed us. And so Holy Spirit, as we think about our discipleship, our sanctification, the way that we're living for and like and with Jesus in the everyday stuff of life here in Madison, would you break in? Would you soften our hearts? Would you remind us of the gospel that we have been given everything through you? Would you allow Doxa Church to be filled with people that just love you, that want to live like you? And so Holy Spirit, even now, would you just speak as we just sit and reflect on your words to us? We ask that you speak to us. Convict us, challenge us, guide us, encourage us.